0: Hello everybody and welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us as we continue on in a series we're doing called Staying Present in the Presence. Uh, In this series, we we just finished a, a big series that we did on developing a disciple's heart. We really talked about getting connected to God and what that looks like. And in this series, we're talking about walking that through throughout the day we 're using the Gospel of Luke as a backdrop for this because um, Luke is is really sort of focuses on the humanity of Jesus um, we, we know that, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, but Luke tends to point more. Uh, to his uh, humanity. We see in that that Jesus often withdraws to pray, he gets connected and then springing out of that he moves into the ministry that he's called to and so he is our model for life and ministry in this area as he is in everything else. We've been looking at lots of encounters that he has with people and situations to see what we can learn from him uh, in staying present In the presence. Uh, We've been through a lot of things, like I said last week, uh, just a quick review of last week. We were in Luke 5 and we saw three encounters that Jesus had. And out of those encounters, we talked about the importance of knowing how much God cares about you, that you've really got to know that, that He cares about you so much. Um, Having an eternal focus, eternal focus instead of a temporary focus, was really important. And that there's a joy in the presence of God that if if you're not experiencing a measure of joy in your life, something's not right because it should be a joyful thing. And we said that that was what the Pharisees were really upset about with Jesus is that the people that were hanging out with Jesus experienced joy and they didn't like that because their people didn't experience joy. The way they kept them under their thumb was to make everything really difficult and hard and and it was all about rules and they missed out on life. And so we, we talked about that. In in great length. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. We're going to uh, talk about uh, an encounter that Jesus has, uh, actually a couple of encounters, again with the established religious community leaders of the day. And we're going to be talking today about the importance of the Sabbath and what that means. And so we'll be digging into Luke 6. Uh, the the uh, scriptures will be there in your bulletins if you want, or you can uh, turn in your Bibles and get ready uh, if you want to follow along with me, um, or they'll show up overhead. But before we get there, I know you like me to do something a little different. Uh, you know, to, um, Anyway, you just expect it now. If I don't do this, people say, hey, what's wrong with you? So, why does a dog wag its tail? Because no one else will wag it for them. Wait, I knew you would hate that, which is why I enjoyed it so much. So I knew I had to have a follow-up, because I just can't leave you with that one. What's the difference between a well-dressed man and a tired dog? The man wears a suit, the dog just pants. See, now. after that first one, please explain that to her later. I'm sorry. <laughs> I could have someone do it in Spanish for you. Will that work in Spanish, do you think? Thank you. And then, it's, then then. I feel really bad for the people at 11 o'clock tomorrow who are listening to that joke, and they'll be like... We translate... We translate at 11. In case you don't know, at 11 o'clock service, we have someone upstairs live. We have a group, a team that translates so that at 11 o'clock people can come who would rather listen in Spanish, and my jokes never translate in Spanish, and I feel really bad for them, and they just look at me, but anyway. The scripture reading is put here on purpose to bail me out of the bad jokes. Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life? Or to destroy it. And he looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So again, remember last week when I was talking about this, I said that the established religious community the day had this very small theological box that they tried to keep God in. And when he was operating outside that box, rather than being able to rejoice with what God was doing, they just got mad about it. Again, here's a man in the church, in the synagogue, who's got a shriveled hand, and the power of God's there in Christ, and he's healed. And they're upset about it. Now you have to make sure that you're taking that into account, what I just said. Can you get the fact that they're upset about a miracle being done in the, in the house of God, whom they worship by the power of God, with glory given to God, and they're frustrated because it's not happening inside their theological box. That was the problem that was taking place, and it's one we all need to be aware of. I said, because whenever we get caught in that box, there's no joy. We don't experience joy. And the people who opposed, uh, who opposed Jesus were always asking questions. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now we hear another question, a critical, condemning question, just like those others. Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now that's the the mood that Jesus has stepped into in in, in, in and against the leaders of the established religious community of the day. And really, it was a very simple thing that Jesus' disciples were doing. They were just picking and eating a handful of grain as they walked through a field. But it was against the Sabbath law as the Pharisees understood it. And then on another Sabbath day, um, knowing that the Pharisees were watching him closely, and if you read the other Gospels, it looks like they set this whole thing up as a trap, which they would do quite often to get Jesus. Um, They were looking for an opportunity to accuse him. Jesus asked them a question. And we're going to get to that question. It's very important in point three when we get to it. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the Sabbath together first point in your notes is this who is the sabbath for who is the sabbath for mark in uh, chapter 2 27 and 28 same encounter is what he's dealing with but i just gave you these verses then he said to him the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath mark two twenty-seven. the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath the sabbath in effect is god telling us that he wants us to take a day off work every week. So, and, and, and what's amazing to me is, and it's really, it's going to be modeled for us by God, how now in our culture we struggle with this really, really. It's like, to me it's like, God said, look, I want you to take a day off. And, and we, we often don't. It's like now as an adult looking back, um, can you imagine, like when you were a kid, do you remember when they used to tell you to take a nap? And you would fight it at a certain point. You used to, I don't want to take a nap. Okay, wouldn't it be great if somebody came in and told you now to take a nap? Oh, it's nap time. Thank you so much. Where's my little nappy place? You wouldn't fight it now. Okay, but here's the thing. The Sabbath is, is God's way of telling us he wants us to take a day off every week. Um, and and he, he, this was so important to him that he models it for us in creation. He's basically saying, look, every seventh day, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a break. And so when God created the world, he took a break on the seventh day. It was not because God was tired. He doesn't get tired. He did it as a model for us. He, he did it as a way of saying, look, you need to look and see what I do because this is how I'm creating you. Um, he, he rested to give us an example and then he says to us, I want you to do this. Now, my opinion is, and, and you can disagree with this and that's okay, we're not, we're not, what day you take your Sabbath isn't important. I believe that's J, what Jesus was saying. It doesn't have to be a certain day, it has to be one of every seven. Why I believe that to be true is that there are some things that just happen that make it um, uh, impossible to, to stop for like, people like me. Um, what would be a Sabbath day for many people is, is not for me. Um, When we do church here, it's a a big day of work for us. Uh, You can ask anybody on staff that shows up way before everybody else and stays after everybody's gone. We work really hard. Um, We we worship and we love God and all those things are happening, but it's really not a day off. I have to have a different day that's a break for me in order to have what I consider a real Sabbath. And and so I believe this to be true, that um, the point is it's not got to be this, this, and this. It's... You need to have a a, a a break, a day out of seven, um, that, that's important for us to take. And and he did it because that's how he designed us. And it's really important for us to get into the flow of that, because we often um, can't we we can't stop. We'll be talking about that in just a moment. This thing is this idea, the Sabbath, is so important that it makes the top ten list. It's one of the top. It's it's number four in the commandments, his fourth commandment. So it's important enough that God includes it in the top 10. Um, uh, it's being that important. I think then it's very important that we think about it. And and what does it look like to observe a Sabbath day? I'm going to give you my ideas. Again, there's a lot of different ideas and, and it's okay to disagree with me, but but we need to talk about it because where we have to get to is because it seems very confusing, a lot of people just don't even think about it, and they don't do it. And so they, they, we're, while they wouldn't violate any of the other commandments knowingly or willingly, number four gets violated all the time. We just kind of have decided that that was not for today or our time. And, and a lot of you are, are my ageish, ish um, can probably think back and remember when everything used to close on Sundays. Um, the malls didn't open on Sundays, the stores didn't open on Sundays. If you didn't have something on Sunday, you just didn't have it. Um, the, the, the country took a Sabbath rest, and that changed. It stopped. Um, and now, now it, it's not patterned or modeled for us at all. But anyway, you get the idea. So what is it that you do on a Sabbath day? Because if you're not careful, and a lot of us do this, we use our days off to catch up on other work. So at the end of the day off, we're actually more tired than we were before. That does not count as a Sabbath just so you know. So let's talk about what it looks like to actually do this, point number two, to actually take a break, to take a break. Mark 6:31. Jesus said this, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. These guys were busy. Um, um, when you're so busy that you don't have time to eat, most of you can relate to that, right? And, it's, and that's, you know you're busy, especially if you really like to eat, and all of a sudden you look down and you realize that you've missed one of your favorite meals of the day. And, and then, that's, a, anyway, I'm not going to go there. That's not what the message is about. So, they were busy. So what does it mean to take a break? The word rest that's used in that verse uh, means an intermission, recreation, to refresh yourselves, to take a break. The dictionary says that rest means this, to refresh one's mind and body through an activity that stimulates and amuses, to impart fresh life into the mind and body. Rest is a diversion from work. It's a time of leisure, of sport. It is freedom for a short period of time from the job and from responsibilities. It's called rest and relaxation. In Ecclesiastes 3, you can turn there later, we're told there's a time for everything. There's a time to weep, and a time to laugh, and a time to be silent, a time to speak, and so on. There's a rhythm to life. And and in Genesis 2, 1 and 3, um, we see that rhythm displayed by God. Uh, Verses 1 through 3. Thus, um, the heavens and the earth (coughs) were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So what I want you to see is there was a time of creation, which is work, and a time for recreation or recreation. That's rest. Um, All creation, all work, without recreation, rest, makes the lives of people extremely dull. God has planned both stops and goes in His schedule for us. And it seems today, though, that the pace for our lives is accelerating. All of the neat tricks and toys and electronic gadgets and everything we've been given that were supposed to really help us have more time, all we've done with those things is added more stuff into our lives. It hasn't, it hasn't slowed anything down. Everything has sped everything up. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just telling you that, that before all of the gadgets, life was probably harder but not as busy because, you know, if you needed to wash your clothes, you, you got by some water and you got some rocks. and <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, when you went to cook, uh, you, you started with whatever, you know, you started from scratch. You, you, you know, you baked bread and then you, you know, you got what you, you, it's not like it is today. And the conveniences that we have, which are great, going to the store and buy all that stuff, you would think that there should be a lot, now we should have so much extra time. Um, but I don't know who's got that time. It sure didn't, didn't find me. Uh, we just get busier. And, and life keeps getting busier. It just continues to get hectic and more hectic. And I, I always think it's funny to preach a message like this in the keys, but y'all are some of the busiest people I know. So, um, God is these planned stops in our lives periodically um, so that we can become fully awake and refreshed. See, here's what happens. If you don't take them, you, you start to kind of die off inside. You, you start to go dead in a lot of ways in order to keep up the pace. And so these stops are in place, that, and God's designed them because he wants us fully awake and refreshed. See, that's how he wants his kids to be, fully awake and refreshed. Recreation, let me make sure we know, should not be an end uh, in itself. It should serve the ends for which you really live. If recreation is the end or goal that you strive for, uh, it'll defeat its purpose because recreation can become a drain if it becomes the focus of life, and and it also becomes very boring uh, if it becomes the focus. Um, very often, recreation has a tendency to take away from other parts of your life uh, from that, that it shouldn't, and add in ways that it shouldn't, which isn't a good thing. Like this, if recreation takes away from your necessary hours of sleep, it's not recreation; it's a drain. It's a strength. If recreation takes away from your spiritual and moral life and adds only to the physical life, then it becomes a snare uh, to your life. Um, recreation must recreate or refresh the entire person. Any recreation... Everybody, I want you to listen to this. Any recreation from which you have to recover is a false recreation. <laughs> It, that was not what we were shooting at, okay? Like on a Sabbath in particular. You know, if it, I'm just talking about that. Okay. So if recreation leaves you physically exhausted, the purpose for it in the first place is lost. Recreation should leave you full of joy and life and vitality. That's what we're shooting at when we talk about taking a Sabbath break or rest. Um, and just as another little aside, any recreation in which Christ can't be taken, is not recreation either. And it's probably sin, but I'm not going there right now. All right. So, the Lord made one day out of seven to be a day of rest. To make it a hectic day running around, that's false rest. Um, In Genesis, the seventh day was a day that God came into for the purpose of maintaining your body, soul, and spirit. It's a day for quietness, peace, gladness, refreshing, recreation, and a day, and this is really important, to do point number three, remember how great God really is. To remember how great God really is. Colossians two sixteen and seventeen says, Therefore don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. See, the reality of life is found in Christ. That's, that's the point that we need to get, that life is found in, in Jesus. Life is found in, in spending life and time with him. So back to the story then in Luke 6. And the question that Jesus asked in response to all his questioners. In a synagogue, there's a man there with a withered, withered hand. And like I said, in, in the other gospels, it looks like it's, they set him, put in there on purpose as a trap. Because they don't care about people. Jesus tells the man to stand up in front of everybody. And then he turns to the Pharisees and he asks this question. Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Not waiting for their answer, he turned to the man and said, Stretch out your hand. And immediately the hand was completely healed. So what Jesus does with his question is he spotlights spotlights their self-centered error. In their efforts to affirm and maintain their own righteousness they were actually exhibiting the opposite of true godliness. So you got to hear that because we get in trouble with that all the time. The efforts that we go to to try and establish our own righteousness are often uh, actually the opposite of what true godliness looks like. In fact, the established religious community was doing evil by refusing to do good, destroying life, By refusing to save it. By trying to use the Sabbath as a means of gaining and maintaining God's acceptance, they were completely misreading the deep significance of the Sabbath. And here's what it is. That we, human beings, flawed, broken human beings, cannot earn God's acceptance. We can't earn His acceptance. We can't make ourselves His people. We are His people by sheer grace. By His will, His choice, and His action not ours, and that this idea of a physical Sabbath rest is a symbolic shadow of the permanent, perpetual, spiritual rest that we find in Jesus, that we find in his presence. And it's by his merit alone that we're accepted with God. Because of that, what I think is the most important part of the Sabbath is worship. Worship is remembering how great God really is. See, we, we use words for worship, and, and, and we, we even use them here, you know that's and well, that's when we get together sing, that's worship. That's not all that worship is. It's a part of worship. It's a type of worship. But worship is when you hang out with God, and you remember how great God really is. See, worship puts life into perspective. As important as rest and recreation is, and and it should be included in that day, um, I have to put my life back into perspective by remembering how great God really is. And that's, I need a day to do it. See, because I can get really busy all the other days, and there's a day that comes up and I need to stop. I actually need to stop. Do something that's not work. Something that I enjoy. Something that's, that's fun. Something with family. Something with friends. Something that's, that's good, that makes me feel good. And from that springs a remembrance of how great God is. See, if we don't have that, we don't have anything. If we, if we, if we don't remember that, then we're just running through life busy with no real purpose. And it's just all hectic and fast-paced all the time. We forget what matters. We, we stop seeing the goodness of God. We stop seeing the blessings of God in our lives. We stop seeing how much He loves us. We stop seeing all the good stuff and we get, we get centered in on, on the stuff that doesn't matter. We start picking on things that don't matter instead of remembering how great God is. See, you need time with Him. If you're too busy for God, you're way too busy. Because worship, this time that we hang out with God, that's what we do forever. Forever starts now we do this forever we hang out with God it's the most important thing that we'll ever do I know we got to do other stuff while we're here but see that's what we're here for to, to hang out with Him and then to do the things that He asks us to do and so this day and this idea is a reminder as we remember how great He is that we can trust Him that He's in control that He can do more in the six days than I can with my own seven. That if I stop, it's, you know, when, when I stop, it actually says, God, I trust you. When I can't stop, I may not mean to be saying it, but that's what I'm saying. God, I don't trust you. If I don't, if I don't keep pushing, if I don't keep, if, it's, if, it's, if I'm not just making it all happen, then it's not going to work. There's something there that's keeping us from enjoying life. And it's something that we have to look at all the time. Life is found in him. Staying present in the presence. So on your Sabbath day, what you need to do is rest, recreate, and remember how great God really is. That's the Sabbath day. Amen. Amen. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take up our offering, and then um, we'll walk around for a couple minutes, say hello, do all that neat stuff, and then we're going to move into our extended worship together. We hope you stay for that. We're going to have a good time, but I understand if you need to go to, and, uh, and uh, know that God loves you so much, and we're glad you're here. So everybody stand up. Let's stretch our legs, and uh, we'll give God our offering today. Father, we are so thankful for an opportunity to present to you your tithe, our gift, our offering.